0: Scripture reading this evening will be from Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18, Proverbs 16:18. That will be page 539 on the red pewback Bibles. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I know it's holiday time and a lot of folks are fixing to leave out of town, so I'm going to tell you tonight, before you leave for the holidays, we're going to begin on January 7th, so, yeah, anyway, we're going to begin on January 7th, the program, I don't know if you were around, some of you were, well, most of you were, Uh, about three years ago, we did a program we called Reading in Sync. And what that was, was we were reading the Bible together as a congregation. And then on Sunday, one of the lessons, either Sunday morning or Sunday night, would be about what we had read uh, the previous week. We're going to restart something similar, not exactly the same. Uh, We're going to call it Let's Read the Bible. Simple, right? Let's read the Bible. And uh, beginning on January 1st, if you've got a Bible reading plan that you're already invested in and you're really excited about, Go do that, please. Uh, we want people to read the Bible. But if you're not, and if you don't already have a Bible reading plan, what we're going to do starting January 1st as a congregation, we're going to read through the entire New Testament in 2024, if the Lord wills. And so we'll read starting on January 1st and we'll finish up on December 31st of 2024. And each week, one of the lessons, almost every week, one of the lessons is going to deal with something from what we've read the prior week. Uh, we've divided this up a little bit uh, Matthew, comes first, but then we don't get to Luke and Mark and John until later on in the year so that we're not reading gospel accounts until May. Uh, things like that. So we've, we've thought through that. But if you don't have plans for a New Year's resolution, I want to get started reading the Bible again. Consider doing this with us. It's called Let's Read the Bible. You'll be hearing more details about that in the next uh, few weeks to come. But we'll go, we're going to, I'll be, I'll be talking about it in some detail on the 31st of this month, which is a Sunday, uh, and, uh, and kind of explaining how it works, and then we'll begin, obviously, on the first. So that's what that's going to be. Be thinking about that. If you haven't made a New Year's resolution, I want to read the Bible more, please consider doing that with us. We're going to talk tonight for a few moments about the most common sin. It's a sin that every single one of us struggles with. And if you think you don't, you do. Because if you think you don't, that's an evidence that you probably are struggling with this sin it's the sin of pride. Theologians think that it is possible that pride is the foundation of all other sin. I don't know that I disagree with that statement. That because of pride, we do everything we do that is an affront to God, that's a sin against God. Because we think somehow we know better than God, that somehow we have a better solution and better ideas than God does. Pride is common way too common in the human race. Let's talk about pride for a few moments this evening. Let's talk about the destructiveness of pride first pride destroys everything it touches. If you've ever been down to the coast, if you've spent a lot of time near the sea, you know that that salt air, it starts to corrode and destroy everything. And people have to continually renew and replenish all kinds of metal and wood parts because that salt water, that salt air just corrodes everything. Pride is that way. Because of pride, churches struggle. Men like Diotrephes rise up and think that they know better, that they know more about who needs to be in and out of the church than God Himself does, 3 John verse 9. Families suffer when there's pride. You remember Absalom and his uprising against David? Absalom decided that he was going to usurp, he was going to subvert his father's leadership. 2 Samuel 15 verses 1 through 12. Families, your family will struggle because of pride. When pride is present, conversion is prevented. People do not become Christians because of pride, because they think they've, they've got the answers, and God's answers can't possibly be the way for me. The rich uh, excuse me, the, the man that stood up, the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 verses one through four, prayed with himself, "Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like other men." He was proud, and because of that, he couldn't know God according to Jesus. He was not justified. Because of pride, nations fall. First Kings chapter twelve, verses fourteen and fifteen. Rehoboam, he had become the new king of Israel, and the people came to him and said, "What are you going to do about our taxes?" And Rehoboam consulted the older men, and they said, "You ought to listen to the people." And then he consulted the younger men; they said, "Oh no, you need to bring down the hammer on the people." And so Rehoboam did what the younger men said. Because of his pride, the nation was split in two. Because of pride. Friendships are destroyed, a whisperer separates friends, Proverbs 16, verse 28, because of pride, God is not magnified. Nebuchadnezzar the king walked on the rooftops of Babylon and he looked and saw the great city and said, is this not great Babylon that I have built for my glory by my power? And God humbled Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 4, verses 30 and 31. God does not receive the glory that he is due when we think too highly of ourselves and what we've accomplished. Pride destroys everything it touches. Symptoms of pride. How do you know you've got pride? By the way, I'm going very fast tonight. I realize there are a lot of things going on after services. I understand that. I'm sympathetic to that. So if you want a copy of this particular lesson just email me and i can email you a copy if you're not able to write it all down fast enough i know how it is i see smoke coming from some of your pages (laughs) all right symptoms of pride there are about 17 of these just to warn you i want you to understand all of us struggle with pride when we boast when we brag we are guilty of pride. Daniel 4 verse 30. When we try to manipulate and control other people because I know how to rule your life and I know how to manage your life better than you do. When we try to manipulate and control like that, we're guilty of pride. It's pride that motivates that. First Peter 5 verses 3 through 6. Not apologizing when we're wrong. None of us have trouble with that, do we? Not being willing to apologize and say we're sorry when there's something that we've done that we know that was wrong. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, if you come to the altar and you remember that your brother has ought against you, go, leave your gift at the altar and be reconciled to him. Apologize when you're wrong, Jesus says. Wanting to be in charge. I don't like the way things are being run. I don't like the way things are being decided. I know better and I have a better solution. Wanting to be in charge is a symptom of pride. Symptoms of pride, continuing. Boredom, the idea of boredom. Somebody needs to provide for my entertainment. Somebody needs to do something. I'm bored, I'm not having a good time. Who's going to entertain me? First Timothy 6, verses 17 and 18 speaks about how God has given us all things richly to enjoy and God gave us what He's given us so that we could share and extend His grace into the lives of others. Boredom is a symptom of pride very often. Criticism, cutting others down is a symptom of pride, thinking that we know how and what is wrong with people, being critical. Matthew 7 verse 1, Jesus says, Judge not lest ye be judged. The kind of judgment you use to judge others, you're going to receive that same kind of judgment yourself. Taking on too much work, does any of this sound familiar? It is a symptom of pride, saying, yes, I can take one more thing onto my plate. When your plate is stacked so high, there's nothing possibly that could be fit on there. Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, to bear your own load, to bear your own burden is, is a righteous and a noble thing. And yet there is such a thing as taking on too much, because you think, you think you're the only one that can do these things the right way, or your way. Or as we say, if you want it done right, do it yourself. Taking on too much work is a symptom of pride. Resentment and sulking when we don't get our way. You remember Ahab when he didn't get Naboth's vineyard? Ahab the king went and resented that and sulked, and he turned his face to the wall, and Jezebel had to come. And it's just how you behave as the king of Israel. First Kings chapter 21, verse 4. It's a symptom of pride. That field should be mine. I should own it. I should have my way. Managing, managing impressions or lying. In my study of the topic of lying in the Bible, it, it occurred to me one day that most of the lies people tell are really about pride. Most of the lies we tell are about either staying out of trouble or trying to manage other people's impressions of us. And either way, it's because we don't want the consequences of what we've done or because we want people to think more highly of us than really they ought to think. Ephesians 4, verse 25, don't lie to each other, put away lying and let each of you speak truth of one another. It's a symptom of pride. Continuing symptoms of pride. Trying to be noticed. Look at me, look at me. I want everybody to see me and I want them to pay attention to me. 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10. Itching for compliments, wanting someone to appreciate and someone to adore and someone to praise us. It's a symptom of pride. Being impervious to reason. Does any of this sound familiar? No one can reason with me. I've got my opinion. I've got my, my mind settled and you cannot talk to me. And I will not listen to anybody that reasons with me differently. James 3.17 speaks about the, the, the faith, or excuse me, the wisdom that comes from above. It's pure and peaceable and reasonable and gentle and full of mercy and good fruits. It's unwavering. It's without hypocrisy, that, that wisdom that's from above. When we're impervious to reason, we will not listen to anybody we're guilty of pride. Symptoms of pride, being argumentative, having an argumentative spirit. I just like to argue. I just like to pick. I just like to fuss. It's a symptom of pride. Again, being anxious and worrying about things. Being anxious in a way that is sinful, that is wrong, that is obsessive and worrying about things, the things I ought to have. Matthew 6 verse 34 warns us that we ought to take no thought about tomorrow. Tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for today are its own troubles. Oversensitivity. Remember what they said about Saul and David after David killed Goliath? They sang a song in Israel in 1 Samuel 18. They said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his ten thousands. You remember that? And Saul became so angry at David. He became so angry about what the people were singing. Sometimes all of us are too sensitive for our own good. We think far too much of ourselves and far too much of what people ought to think of us as well. Overreacting. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1, Jonah the prophet went and preached to Nineveh and Nineveh repented. And Jonah was excited about the idea that God was going to punish those Ninevites. And he really, really was spiteful and angry when God failed to punish those Wicked Ninevites in Jonah's mind, overreacting. These are symptoms of pride. All of these, it wears many faces. Pride does. It has many different outlets and many different, um, many different facets to it. And so, even if one or two of these that we've mentioned in this list are not maybe pertaining to you, at least not characteristically, all of us can see some of ourselves in that list, can't we? We can see ourselves reflected, refusing advice. People give you good advice and you say, no, I'm not going to listen. I respect that person's wisdom, but I'm not going to listen to what they have to say. It's pride that does that. Those are symptoms of pride. And if I haven't convicted you yet, I don't know what else I can do. But let's talk after worship tonight. I'd I'd like to visit with you. Those are symptoms of pride. Let's turn our attention now to types. When you study the Bible, there are different types of pride. In the first place. There is religious pride. I'm thankful God that I'm not like other men. I'm thankful that I do things right and I've got my act together and I'm not like those people over there. That's religious pride. If we're really honest with ourselves, we ought to be poor in spirit. We ought to acknowledge God be merciful to me, a sinner. Luke 18 verse 13. But religious pride is alive and well, even sometimes in the church of our Lord. Sometimes we look down our spiritual noses at people and we ought to be taking a really good look in the mirror before we do that. Religious pride. There's material pride. God, I'm thankful that you've blessed me so much with so many material goods and wealth and things like that. And we can despise others, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, just not being thoughtful about how we handle what God has given us as stewards. Luke 12, 16 through 21, that rich farmer, all he thought about was himself himself. All he thought about was his barns and wanting to build bigger barns. That's all he could think about, not a thought in the world about anybody else and about how to help others. Proud of his stuff. Again, social pride. Because of the background we come from, because of our education level, because of the color of our skin, because of our ethnicity, sometimes we may be guilty of pride in those areas. Galatians 2, 11, and 12, there was a, I want to say this, there was a potluck in Antioch and at that potluck, Peter refused to eat with the Gentiles. And the Bible tells us that not only did Peter stop eating with the Gentiles, but then other Jewish Christians did and even Barnabas was carried away by this. And what's the problem? The problem is pride. We're worried about what people think and we're worried about what they're going to say about us. Social pride, intellectual pride. I've got a big brain. I'm very intelligent. I know more about the Bible. I know more about important things in life than other people do. So let me show you how much I know. First Corinthians eight verses one and two, knowledge in and of itself puffs up, but love is what builds up. The apostle Paul writes in that passage, intellectual pride, snobbery, looking down your nose intellectually at people that you feel like are not as intelligent as you are. And then there is hypocritical pride, the kind of pride that puts on a show and tries to pretend, Ananias and Sapphira come to mind. They wanted to be known in the church as great givers. And so what Ananias and Sapphira did is they sold some land and they acted like they pretended that they were giving all the money from their land to the church, to the apostles. But in reality, they had kept back part of that money for themselves, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And a lot of people in this world are hypocrites and they try to manage their impressions, manage the way people think about them. It's a manifestation of pride. A number of types of pride you read about in scripture. And all of us, again, if we're honest with ourselves, we can see something of ourselves in all of these things from time to time. What about it spiritually? What does God say about pride? What does he say about this? And what, what can we take and remember about this particular sin? In the first place, Proverbs 16, 18, that Jake read just a few moments ago, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall." Pride always, always, always destroys, and it always results in tragedy. It destroys everything it touches. Listen to what I'm saying. When we are guilty of pride, when this is something that gets a hold of our hearts, and we start to act and speak in pride before others, it always ruins things. That's just its nature. It is a sin against God. It's a sin against other people. And it tears down families and it ruins churches and it causes friendships to be severed. That's what pride does. It always results in tragedy. Make no mistake about it, God is not mocked in this regard, Galatians 6 verse 7. The Bible also teaches this repeatedly, God always opposes the proud when we become too full of ourselves, when we become proud, when we become lifted up in our hearts, God sets his face against those who do so. James chapter four, verse six. 1 Peter chapter five, verses six through eight. Again, over and over in scripture, Proverbs chapter three, verse 34, both of those other passages are quoting from God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's the way God works. God wants you and me to be humble before him and before others. That's the way that we find spiritual success. That's the way we find Christ's likeness. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We just sang and kids sing a little while ago. He humbled himself. Philippians chapter two, verses five and following. God opposes the proud. Spiritual principle number three, Satan knows that the proud are easy prey. You got your Bible, open it up to first Timothy chapter three, verse six. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, just so that you can see this, I want you to see it with your own eyes. 1 Timothy 3, verse 6, this is part of the qualifications of elders. And listen to what he says, an elder, 1 Timothy 3, verse 6, must not be a novice, he must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit, with pride. And if he does that, he will fall into the condemnation of the devil. The reason why the Bible says that a man who is appointed as an elder must have some experience as a Christian is because Satan knows that the proud are easy prey. 1 Peter 5 verse 8, the devil, your adversary, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what he said right before that in 1 Peter 5 verse 6? He said, humble yourself before the Lord, in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up in due season. Who does Satan come after first? Just like a lion always gets the weakest of the, of the herd, Satan comes after those who are proud because he knows they're easy prey. You and I are easy prey for the devil when we're puffed up in our hearts, when we think too highly of ourselves, when we think that we're something, when we're not. That's the condemnation of pride in scripture. What's the solution? What is God's word counsel for us? so that we can be the kind of Christ-like people that God wants us to be, not thinking too highly of ourselves, but rather thinking of ourselves as we ought to think. Four suggestions this evening, and the lesson is yours. Number one, brothers and sisters and friends, every time we start to think highly of ourselves, we ought to go back in our minds to the cross. And we ought to remember what Jesus did for us, and we ought to remember not just what he did for us, You ought to remember who He is that's doing that for you. That's what it means to glory in the cross. Not just what He did, but who He is. He is God. He is God's Son. He is perfect. He is innocent. And He's the one that humbled Himself and became obedient even to the point of the death of the cross. Galatians 6.14, Paul said, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast except in the death in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's all he wanted to boast in. If I'm going to brag about anything, that's what I want to brag about. Talk about Jesus more is a simple way to say that. Talk about the greatness of Jesus and the magnificence of the gift that he's offered for the world. That's a solution to pride. Put others first. In lowliness of mind, let each of you esteem others better than himself. Have you thought about those words and what they mean? Years ago, there was an older man in a congregation where I was preaching, and I preached a lesson similar to this one. And he, he stopped me in the foyer and he said, I have learned that every man I meet is my master in some respect. And I've always remembered that quote. He's exactly right. Everybody you ever meet is better than you in some respect. And the challenge is find What is this person wonderful at doing? Esteem others in lowliness of mind better than yourselves. It helps us to put away our pride. Romans 12, verse three, let each of you not think more highly of himself than he ought to think. God wants us to think properly about ourselves. Love like Jesus, you wanna put away pride? Love suffers long, love is kind, love does not envy, Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 and 5. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Does this sound familiar? That's what love is. Love is the antithesis, the opposite of pride. Biblical agape love will kill pride. It will put it to death in our hearts Thinking about others, thinking about our relationship with God, loving Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves, and all of a sudden there's not a lot of time to worry about who's patting me on the back and who's giving me the acclaim and who's recognizing me for my accomplishments and am I getting my way? Those things kind of take a back seat when I start loving others like Jesus would. And then fourth this evening, worship God enthusiastically. Listen to me. The most important thing you do in your week is worship. And it's not even close. The most important thing you do in your week is worship. How is your worship these days? When you come before God in an assembly like this or maybe in your private study or maybe in your car as you're driving to work and you're singing before Him and you're praying to Him, how are you connecting with God? Is there enthusiasm? Is there a desire to worship Him? Can you sing sincerely as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you, O God? Because worship will put our pride to death as well sincere genuine worship will do that the problem that too many of us have is that our worship becomes rote and routine and we don't think about what we're saying and what we're doing we're just going through motions that's not going to help and it certainly doesn't honor god lift up god's name exalt him and make sure your worship sings praises to his name that's how you put pride in its place it is the most common sin It is a sin that we all struggle with continually. But God has shown us in his word, not only the destructiveness of pride, he has shown us how to put it to death by following Jesus, by keeping our eyes on him. This week, my challenge to you is this. Think about areas of your life where pride has been allowed to exist and reside and ask yourself the question, master, is it I? What would you have me to do, O God, that I can put away this pride from my life? If we can help you obey the gospel tonight, heaven's invitation is yours. If we can help you by praying for you, praying with you, won't you make your need known while together we stand and while we sing?